Well, once again, I'll echo everything everybody else has already said. Thank you. Thank you for the words. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. We've had some church so far, haven't we? I feel like we've, you know, we've, we've got a touch of heaven. Everybody, you know, is, we're edifying one another, right? And, and Pastor Bradley, I said, you just stay up here and preach. I mean, he, was, he could just have at it. He was going, getting after it. Well, coming up this Thursday is, uh, is, is Halloween. Um, you know, I, I'm not like, I mean, I think it's just kind of a waste of money sometimes, but uh, I, I, at the same time, I do like it a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe you're out there and you're like really strict, like, you know, you think it's like super satanic and whatnot, I don't know, I just think it's a bunch of kids dressing up in costumes, but, uh, you know, whatever, maybe I just triggered some people, I don't know, but anyways, <laughs> uh, whatever, anyways, the, 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 the holiday of Halloween is, is, is centered all around fear, scariness, ooh, a little spooky, right, a little spooky, so today I want to preach on fear. I want to talk about fear today. Fear is maybe the most power, second most powerful human emotion. The first one is love. Love is the most powerful human emotion. Remember I said that because that's going to come into huge play uh, in this message today. But fear is very powerful. Fear is what drives a lot of people um, to, to live their daily lives. They're not living by what they love. They're living by what they're afraid of. Their, their fear drives so many people, and I don't want to get into politics, but fear a lot of times drives people to vote for certain other people. Fear will drive people to think a certain way. Fear will drive the masses to do certain things. Fear will destroy us if we let it. As a Christians, we need to be completely away from fear. I, had, I completely destroyed uh, my opening line. My opening line of this is going to be this. Today, I'm, I hope to talk about a four-letter word that starts with F, and nobody ever says it in church. That's what I was going to say, and then I was going to say, you need to stop thinking that way, it's fear. But anyways, uh, but now you know what it is. So I thought I, thought I would um, open up, I, I want to get a little vulnerable for you this morning, uh, because, because it doesn't do any good for pastors to stand up here and seem larger than life and not approachable. I want to tell you about, uh, I want to tell you about a scary story I had when I was a kid. Um, honestly, it still scares me to this day, so I have some nightmares about it. Um, and then I'll tell you about some things I'm scared of. When I was a kid, uh, my brother and I, River, uh, he's been to church here once. Uh, he goes to college somewhere else. But he, him and I were sharing a room together. And we had bunk beds. And, um, and I had the lower bunk, you know, because I'm better than him. So I have to get, I have to get the lower one. I have to get the, the cool one, right? So I'm, I'm sitting there, and it's, it's a rainy evening. You know what I mean? Like every scary movie, it's raining, it's dark. You know, there's some lightning. It's just, it's set for the occasion, right? And... And I wake up in the middle of the night, and I, I don't know if it's, you know, sometimes whenever you wake up in the middle of the night, you can have, like, hallucinations. Anybody ever, like, looked at their closet while they're half asleep, and you think there's someone standing there, and you're like, oh, my God, you know what I mean? Uh, you start, you know, just, just, like, praying in the spirit. You're like, I rebuke you, right? Uh, I, you know, I was a kid, so I wasn't, I wasn't really there yet, so that wasn't me. But uh, I was scared out of my mind because I looked to my right, and in my window, there is a man. There is a man there staring in my window. I am freaking out. At first, I'm like, you know, like when you wake up and you're like, you just can't move. You just can't move whatsoever. And that's in a way, I mean, knowing what I know scientifically now, I do think it might have been a, a hallucin- half-asleep hallucination uh, because I couldn't move. And, you know, sometimes your body will wait, your mind will wake up before your body does and you're in paralysis because your mind is smart. Your mind will paralyze your body whenever you're sleeping so that you don't uh, punch you know, if you have your significant other, you don't punch them in, in your, your sleep. You know what I mean? That's why your body paralyzes itself. So if your mind wakes up before your body does, you can't move. I could not move, and I see this guy staring through the window right at me and my brothers. 
Um, although it might have been an actual person because there was a guy who lived nearby who was known to be like had mental health issues and like would walk around in people's yards just randomly. So it could have been him. I don't know. All I know is I saw a guy in my window and I freaked out because once my body like got unparalyzed, I jumped out of my bed and I jumped, I ran through the hallway and I jumped into my parents' bedroom and I said, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I just jumped in their bed and started crying because I was scared because I was scared and I had to go to my parents. I went to my dad. And that story has stuck with me for a long time because scary things mark our memory, don't they? Scary emotions. Emotions are maybe the most powerful force of our memory. You will always remember something if there's an emotion attached to it. Maybe you were in a church service one time and you felt really near and dear to the Lord in that moment. You will always remember that because of the emotion that you felt. Emotions are powerful. And I felt scared. I'll always remember that. What am I, but what am I most afraid of? That's... That's, that, that was one story. Then that was one time. I'm not afraid of guys looking through my window now, although that would be entirely creepy. Uh, I, don't, I don't, you know, stay awake at night like, oh my gosh, he's coming after me. But what am I most afraid of? Well, well first of all, uh, the silly things first, spiders. God, I hate spiders. I hate spiders. I thought there's a, sp- there's a dead spider in this baptism back here, and that thing is huge. I mean, every bit of that big, huge. If you want to come up here after service and look, you can. Uh, the spider wanted to get saved, I guess. He was trying to get baptized, but uh, he's dead now. And I've thought several times I should go back and get it, but no, I'm not touching that, even if it's dead. I'm not taking the chance. Um, bugs, critters of any kind, if there's anything on my neck, I instantly will freak out. If any of you know from our, like, our work that we do, if there's a bee or a wasp, I'm out of there. I'm running away like, like, a, like a six-year-old little boy. Like I'm out. I hate bugs, critters spiders, anything like that, anything creepy and crawly, I just hate it. Oh, it scares me so much. But all joking aside, um, I'll get a little vulnerable here. I'm most afraid of failure. Like, I mean, nobody likes to lose, but I really don't like to lose. Like, anybody, like any of the basketball boys that know like, I'm coach, I mean, I hate to lose. Anybody who plays basketball Monday nights, I hate to lose. But not just that, rejection. The feeling of not being good enough. Uh, there's a personality test called the Enneagram, and I'm, I'm what they call a type three, which is the achiever. My whole existence is based around having to fulfill the need of not being good enough. And so that's what I'm most afraid of. I'm most afraid of not being good enough. And by the grace of God, God has been working on me with that, that I am not defined by my performance. I'm not defined by what I do. I'm not defined by how good I've been this week or how much I've sinned this week. I'm not defined by what, what, what sin has been in my life or what mistakes I've made, but I'm only defined by the grace of God, amen? Amen, I'm only defined by him, and that's something God's been working on my life for, but those are things I'm afraid of, not being good enough, rejection. I wanna ask you, what fear are you holding on to this morning? What are you most afraid of? Are you afraid of what other people think? Are you afraid of, of failing your family? Are you afraid of maybe the upcoming mortgage payment? Are you afraid of, uh, of, of a doctor's report? Are you, what are you afraid of? What are you clinging on this morning that, that is holding onto your heart? God doesn't want us to walk in fear. He, I believe that with all my heart. I'm about to show you about 10 scriptures to back this up. God does not want us to walk in fear. And I pray this morning, by the power of the Holy Spirit, some of you are going to have the opportunity to come up 
and to, to, to have a meeting with God this morning and to get rid of that fear. Some of you are going to have an opportunity to lay it at Jesus' feet this morning. Let's go jump into some scripture here. We got, I've actually got eight, not ten. Um, eight scriptures. There's, there, did you know that the, 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 the phrase, do not be afraid or do not fear, occurs 58 times in the Old and New Testament? 58 times. That's a significant number. I, I would, if I, I, didn't, I didn't go this far into research, but if I had to say that, uh, if I had to bet, I would say that's more than any other phrase in the Bible. It's everywhere. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Let's read some scripture here. Starting with Joshua 1.9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 43.1. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, listen, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom, of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. John 14, 27, getting in the New Testament here. Jesus says, peace I leave with you and peace I give you. I do not give you peace as the world gives. Or, sorry, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus says, I bring you peace. We're going to talk about this a little bit today, but the antithesis of fear is peace and love. Jesus brings peace. He brings love. Whenever we are in that place of fear, Jesus brings us peace. Jesus brings us love. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Another quote from Jesus, Matthew 6, 25-34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Worry. Worry is the, the puny little stepbrother of fear. And it'll get you. It'll get you if you let it. Jesus says, I do, tell you, do not worry about life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in, in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you add a... Can, sorry, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers that the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you who is here today and tomorrow? I'm sorry, I can't read. It's too close. You of little faith, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. Knows that you need them. Sorry, I can't read. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Give each day, or each day has enough trouble of its own. Second Timothy 1.7, Paul writes, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you ever feel a spirit of fear, maybe you feel a, feel a spirit of fear right now. That is not of God. That is not of God. The enemy wants to keep us in fear. Satan wants to keep you trapped in fear. But that's not a spirit that God gives. God gives freedom and liberation. 1 John 4.18, and this is how. 
For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. These are powerful scriptures. I could go sit down right now. The scripture speaks for itself. Jesus comes. He says, peace I give to you. I'm offering you this life-giving power, this life-giving peace. If only you knew the peace of God, if only you knew the power of God, you would not fear, for he is with you. His strong hand is next to you. The scripture is very, very clear that we are to not be afraid. And I want to say this this morning. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's a command. It is a, it is a sentence directed to the listener. Do not be afraid. He's telling you, do not be afraid. Not, not only if you, you know, maybe you don't feel like, I just about tripped on that cord. That's bad. <laughs> not only, you know, if, maybe, if, maybe if everything in your life is going good, then you cannot be afraid. No, it's do not be afraid. It is a direct command to you as a believer. He is telling you, do not be afraid. Just in the same way someone would say, hey, go get me a drink. That's a command to go do something, right? God is commanding you this morning, believer, do not be afraid. Trust in him. Trust in the power of God. Do not be afraid. It's a command. But I also want to say this. Faith in God does not exempt us from fear, anxiety, worry, depression, etc. Anybody who's lived long enough and, and lived the Christian life know that these things will come. We will have fear. And we will have anxiety. And we will have worry. Yes. But the power of God and the promise of God, faith in God means we do not have to stay in it. There is a way out. There is another way. There is a path that we can go down. That fear and worry and anxiety might come knocking at your door and maybe it's knocking this morning. But you do not have to stay there. Faith and trust in God will lead you with a path out of that. Say, say amen, somebody. We don't have to stay in that. It's, it's choosing our faith over our fear. I want I to put it like this. Fear is really real. But so is God. So is God. God is even more real than your fear. God is above your mess. He's above your stress. He's above everything. I should come up with a rap album, rhyming, right? God is above all of it, every single bit of it. God is God. God is still on his throne. The blood has never lost its power. He is still powerful today to save and mighty to deliver. And I need to tell somebody today that your situation, your fear that you're in, is not the end of the, is not the, end of the road, but God is going to open a door in your life. And the fear that you feel right now is not the end of the story, but it's going to propel you into the gift of God of peace over your life. Somebody needs to hear that, that the situation you're in is not the end of the road and you do not need to be afraid because you have a loving heavenly father that just like I was scared in my bedroom, I was terrified of, of the man looking through the window, I jumped into my dad's arms. You can run into your loving heavenly father's arms and he has peace for you. He has love for you. And whenever we go into the love of God, fear cannot exist. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear, casts it out, gets it out of there. They cannot coexist. Fear and love will not coexist. We, we have to understand this. We have to understand that, that our fear is not our Lord. Anxiety is not our Lord. Worry is not our Lord. Hear me, somebody. Lord, that's just a fancy, we think of that as like an old-time word. Who even calls anybody a Lord anymore, right? But the Bible says that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is Lord, and that when Jesus is resurrected from the dead, he is Lord of all, over everything. That means even your fear, even anxiety, even worry, Jesus has conquered even that. Even that. 
What did Jesus pray in the garden? He said, Father, if there's any way possible, let this cup pass from me. That sounds an awful lot like a prayer from somebody who's quite afraid. He's quite afraid about what he's about to go through. Jesus was not just imprisoned and then killed. No, he was tortured, brutally beaten. If you want a depiction of this, go watch The Passion of the Christ. I mean, it's a very, very gory movie, but it depicts it very well. This is what he went through. He was afraid. He was, he was afraid of what he was going to go through, right? But he's, he brings it honestly to God, and he trusts in God. And what happens on the other side? Resurrection. Resurrection, baby. That's what happens when we trust in God. Whenever we trust in God, the fear that we feel will be turned into resurrection. Someone needs to hear that this morning, that, that your fear will be, will be, will be transformed into a, a new birth, a, new, a, 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 a resurrection. That the situation you're in is not all that there is, but God has something for you on the other side. we got to trust in God. And that's, that's easier said than done, right? It's easier said than done to say, I'm going to trust God in the midst of me being afraid of my cancer. It's easy to say, I'm going to trust in God in the midst of me being afraid in the middle of my divorce. Or it's, it's easy to say, I trust in God in the middle of my fear of that mortgage payment that's coming up. Right? It's easy to say, I trust in God in the midst of the fear of, of worrying about what, constantly worrying about what other people think about me. Right? It's easy to say I trust in God in those moments. But, but, but what God wants us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit is to come to that place of relationship in Him where we develop a prayer life, where we, where we say, God, I'm going to actually go to you. And whenever you go to Him, you will experience that peace. It's not just saying it, but it's doing it. It's going to Him in prayer. I think we also need to talk about a little bit of, I have here my notes, Momentary fear versus chronic fear. It's one thing to be afraid of a, of a situation, a particular situation like, um, well, I've used a couple times, let's just say financially, right? You're scared, like, like how are we going to pay these bills? Like, how are we going to make it work, right? How are we going to do this, right? That's, that, I would say it's momentary fear. And yes, God delivers us from momentary fear. But there's also chronic fear. There's people in this house, I believe today, that you've been living in fear so long that it has become part of who you are. It's chronic fear. It's become part of your personality that you're so afraid of maybe what other people think or you're so afraid of, for me, I'm so afraid of failure that in a lot of ways it's become who I am. But that's not good. That's not good. Whenever this, that, I would say that, that, is, that is not... Um, that is not of God. And when that thing that is not of God becomes infested into who you are, you can't walk in freedom. You can't walk in freedom because it inhibits you from walking how God has, has called you to walk. There's momentary fear, but there's also chronic fear. There's the fear of constant rejection or the fear of failure. I can't talk. Fear of failure. Those things will inhibit us from walking in the freedom God has for us. But I believe that God is mighty to save. That God is, is powerful to deliver. And some of you this morning are going to have the opportunity to lay that fear down at your feet. I asked you, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of, church? And this is, this is what i, I got to get to right here. Because this is the problem with American church. Nobody wants to get vulnerable. Nobody wants to open up. Everybody wants to come and dress like, you know, we're, we're, we got it all together, right? We're going to church. We're going to church as a family, and we got it all together, right? And there's nothing wrong in my household, right? No. 
to have a relationship with God where God can heal you, where God can transform you, where God can come into your life and change everything. You have to come to the place of, I'm broken. I'm broken. I need a Savior. But if you never, if you never confess that, you will never receive your healing. You will never receive the freedom God has for you. So many people want to cling to their pride. Pride is sinful. Right? What's the Bible say? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we come to him in a humble spirit, saying, God, this is, I'm really afraid of this. God, I'm really afraid of this situation. I need your help. It is in that moment that God meets us, that God comes into that situation and that he transforms, that he comes in and he frees us from our fear. But God cannot free you from your fear if you're holding on to your fear. We want to act like everything's okay. We want to act like it's okay when it's not. I just want to say this. This is kind of a cliche phrase that goes around, but it's okay to not be okay. It really is. I believe the River Church is a place where people can come in and not be okay. But you know who is okay? You know who's more than okay? You know who is always more than okay? God is. God is always more than okay. He is always more than wonderful. He is always more than anything we could ever imagine or ask for. God is, God is able to do anything. And so when you come in here and you're not okay, he is. And we meet our Savior and we say, God, I'm broken. The week, the week that's passed me by has really broken me. The situation I'm facing has really broken me. But God, I come to you. Please deliver me from my fear. Deliver me from my fear. 1 John 4.18 says this. This is the scripture I really want to focus on. I've kind of said it a little bit already. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. When we're in that moment of fear, of being afraid, afraid of a circumstance or being afraid in general, being an afraid person, a scaredy cat, right? You might have been living by fear, but when we get into the perfect love of God, it has to bow. I said there's two powerful emotions in the universe. Fear is number two, but love is number one. What did the Apostle Paul said? He said, these three will remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest, single most driving force in the universe is love is the love of Jesus Christ empowered to us by the Holy Spirit. This love is available to every single one of you this morning here. It's a, it, it, it is, it is the, the love of the Heavenly Father towards us. Agape love, unconditional love, the love that's poured out to us from the cross by the Holy Spirit into your life. That love is available to you this morning. And so what I want to preach to you, I've said a lot so far, what I want to preach to you is this. Stop focusing on your fear and start focusing on the love that's available to you. God has an amazing, extravagant love available to you. And whenever we, whenever we submit our fear to him, our fear is natural, but love is supernatural. It has the power to cast that out. Many times whenever we are fearing, it's because we're not trusting. When we're not trusting, we haven't entered into that love. Now, am I, let, me, let, me, let me say something because I can... I can understand. Walker, you don't know my situation. God, you don't, Walker, you don't know what I'm going through. What am I just supposed to just, just let it go? Right? Am I supposed to just, you know, just give it up to God? Maybe. 
Have you tried it? There's something very powerful, my friends. Gosh, why did I say that? Everybody's, it's an inside joke. I always say my friends when I preach. There's something very powerful. You know, every time I get into a serious moment, I do something to mess it up. I do something to mess it up. I trip over a cord or I spill my words or I just, I can't talk right. Or I say a phrase I vowed to never say again. (laughs) They always make fun of me for saying my friends, but it's okay. At least I'm not saying my enemies. Um, Gosh, what was he saying? I don't even know. I'm gone. Okay. Um, oh, there's something powerful about letting go. You know, because whenever you hold on to your fear, you're actually saying that you're more powerful than God. When you hold on to your anxiety and your worry, you're actually saying that you know better than God. When you hold on to that fear uh, that, that's been troubling you, you're actually saying, God, I know how to handle this better than you do. That's what you're saying. Whether You maybe wouldn't say that out loud, but that's subconsciously, that's what's happening. You're saying, God, I know how to handle this better than you do. I know how to, how to take in the situation better than you do, so I'm gonna keep it in my hands rather than giving it into your hands. But the power of God is when we let go, when we surrender. When we surrender. You know, there was a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an old story. I, I love it. It says, there's a, a guy goes to Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, famous uh, uh, None from Calcutta cared for the poor. She says, Mother Teresa, I've got a real problem. I need you to pray for me. She says, yeah, what do you need to pray for? Well, she says, I just, I'm just in a situation right now. I, just, I, just, I don't really know what to do. I just need some clarity. I need some clarity this morning. And she said, I'm not going to pray for clarity because the last thing that you need is to take back control. What you need is to let go. And to let God, and I, I think that's very applicable this morning. Some of you here say, God, I just need some strength. God, I just need some power. Actually, no, it's the opposite. You need to let go of your strength, and you need to let go of your power. You need to let go of your situation, and you need to let God fill you with strength. You let God fill you with power. You need to let God fill you with his love. Because, because our natural instinct is to say, you know what? I'm just going to get through this. I'm just going to get tough, buckaroo, and I'm going to go do it, and I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be tough as nails. I'm going to eat my spinach like Popeye. I'm going to go save the day, right? That's what we think we're going to do. We're just going to push through it ourselves. But actually, the Bible says that, that his grace is sufficient, that his, that, that, that his power is made perfect in what? In weakness. In weakness. It's actually, his power, his strength is made perfect when we're weak. And so I want to tell somebody this morning that you might feel weak, but you're primed for a revival in your heart. You're primed for a situation for God to take hold. You are primed for God to come in and to, to take hold of that situation because when you're weak, he is strong. Right? What's, this, what's the old song say? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. I'm weak. I said this in the beginning, it doesn't do any good for us pastors to stand up here and act larger than life and like we aren't the same as you guys. Same level, same ground. I'm weak. Really weak. If you, I mean, I'm really weak. If some of you guys know the things I've done in my life, you wouldn't want me up here. Seriously. I'm weak and I need a savior. My situation's I need a Savior. My fear of failure and rejection, I need a Savior. And this morning, there's things that some of you are holding on to that you need a Savior. 
And luckily, I know him, and his name is Jesus, and he loves you, and he has power and strength for you to get through your situation, to, to, to absolve your fear, and to cast it out. Jesus is powerful. I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that he actually cares. The Bible says this, that we are to cast all our anxiety on him, for he cares for us. He cares for us. He cares for you in your fear, in your struggle, in your pain. So many people want to walk in fear, fear of the unknown, fear about tomorrow. Jesus said, do not worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. He said, doesn't, you know, look at the birds in the sky. Don't they have enough to eat? Doesn't God take care of them? Or look at the lilies in the field. Aren't they dressed so beautifully? Aren't they, aren't, doesn't God take care of them? And doesn't he care about you even more? Doesn't he care for you even more than them? God will take care of you. God will take care of you. We have to let go of our fear. And we have to let God be God and turn it over to him. Amen. This morning, we're going to enter in, we're, we're, we are going to go into communion. But I'm going to ask uh, Jesse May and Bo if they'll come back up. We're going to sing a song this morning. And this is, this is here, here's the deal. A lot of times in church, we, we do this thing, right, where we say, okay, if the, message, if, the message, like, if the message applied to you, then come forward and you can get prayed for. That's good. I think altar calls are good sometimes. But isn't everybody in here afraid in some way, shape, or form? Isn't everybody in here face fear in some way, shape, or form? Doesn't everybody in here have a situation they're afraid of? Doesn't everybody have something inside of them that they are deeply afraid of? We're going to sing this song together. And so we already worshiped this morning, but I can't ever get enough of worship. That, I mean, in my life, that's just, I love, to, I love to sing songs to the Lord. So this morning, we're going to sing a song called No Longer Slaves. And the song is derived out of the story in Exodus. And if you know your Bible, you'll know that the Israelites were held captives for hundreds of years under the Egyptian rule. There's the Egyptian thumb. But Moses, a leader raised up by God, said, let my people go. And Pharaoh did. And Moses led them out of Egypt. But on the way, Pharaoh changed his mind. He comes running after them with all of his army. And God, by, uh, Moses, by the power of God, splits the Red Sea. And they, they go marching through. The Egyptian army following after them, they're drowned. This song is derived from that story. Listen, God wants to deliver you out of your fear. God wants to deliver you out of your Egypt. And by the, his power... He will open doors. He will open doors in your heart, in your life. And he will make a way. This morning, we're going to sing this song. And I am going to encourage you, church, to stand, to lift your hands toward heaven if you are going to surrender your fear this morning. We're going to sing this song together. And I firmly believe that some of you are going to have breakthrough in this place. I firmly believe that God is going to come into your life and that he is going to change your situation. I firmly believe that God is not done with you, that your situation that you're so afraid of is not the end of the story, but it's just the beginning. And God is going to turn it for good. So if you would, please stand.